Hi everyone, welcome. I'm half here with the play-by-play from the SM Threat Intelligence Center. We have the top barbecue chef in all of Utah with us. Noah, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Hap? Good, man. We got him with the color commentary. And Noah, this has been kind of a slow week for cyber news stories, but there has been one or two stories that have caught our attention that we definitely want to share with all of you. So should we get right into it here? Let's get into it. There's some interesting stuff. Yeah, T-Mobile getting breached again. That's one of our top stories. We've got the latest on the most sophisticated Facebook phishing we've ever seen. And the virus total has some security flaws that we've got to talk about. And this is a heartbreaking story, Noah. We we had talked about the Waze Waze camera vulnerabilities a couple weeks ago, and now we're seeing some stories hit the news, and we're going to talk about those stories as well. Plus, 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 the latest on the Russian cyber-Ukrainian situation. Now, we are uh, are Security Metrics. You can subscribe to our website and get a a list of all the links in our weekly threat intelligence email. And, uh, of course, hit the like button, subscribe. Let us know you like us by leaving some comments, too. And we try to help you with the changing threat landscape to really take a, an intelligent approach to cybersecurity, help you secure your peace of mind, keep you above the security poverty line, and Noah, hit him with that tagline, buddy. And never have a false sense of security. Here we go. All right, Noah, there has been some data breaches in the news, and of course, the one that, oh my gosh, it just breaks my heart. T-Mobile again? Oh man, it happens so much. I feel like it's a, what is this like their fifth or sixth breach in at least four years that I've encountered now. We've we've talked about these guys multiple times before, but this time it's all about lapses. Remember those sixteen-year-old kids that got that got in trouble? They were doing all those breaches. Yeah, lapses. They've been all over the news, uh, hacking Okta, uh, Nvidia, Samsung, and many more. Yeah, And uh, now they've added a T-Mobile to that uh, resume. But we're lucky in that we have a lot of knowledge behind this breach. And what I mean by that is the security researcher and author, Krebs, Brian Krebs on security, his website, Krebs on security, he posted a bunch of text messages and privately exchanged messages from members of the Lapsus group. Now, what we know is in those chats, it's been revealed what the cyber criminals were actually doing to T-Mobile. Yep. Something like 30,000 source code repositories belonging to T-Mobile have now been released, have been taken, allegedly. Yeah, so it looks like the Lapsus hackers got a bunch of source code. Um, they got access to internal tools that were used to provision SIM cards, uh, clone SIM cards, things like that. So very valuable for these kind of cyber criminals who are trying to get into accounts and... Uh, take control of people's phone numbers. Yeah, Lapsus is unique in the way they target organizations. And as what we understand in the T-Mobile breach here, that the way they did it is they went out on the dark web into Russian marketplaces, purchased the initial tools and, and ability to remotely compromise T-Mobile systems. What I thought was interesting, Noah, is some of the text messages. And we'll put one up on the screen right here where you see yeah. uh, this this kid, 16-year-old kid. Oh, I love this. Yeah. This kid is... Uh, chatting to his co-workers and lapses about how oh he's so bummed that all of his friends at school are talking about lapses and 
hacking, but he's not allowed to tell them because then he'll go to jail. Yeah, I, you know, you see stuff like that, and you you just you start scratching your head. I the way this went down though is after Lapsus got initial access to the T-Mobile environment, where they really did the damage is where they got access to Atlas, which is T-Mobile's internal customer management tool. It's the way they assign phone numbers and the way they manage their their network and their customers. Yep. But where the damage comes from having access to this internal company tool is where. Noah, where can they do the most damage? Because uh, they could take control of someone's account. Yeah. They could take their phone number and use that as a way to bypass 2FA. Yeah. And in previous briefings that we've done for all of you, we've talked about SIM swaps and how swim sw SIM swaps go down. And that's exactly right, Noah. They, they reassign the mobile phone number to a device that they control. So we call these unauthorized SIM swaps. And this is why it's really important, folks, that if you can get a phone that doesn't have, use a SIM card, that's one way to prevent this from happening. But, but Noah, what's the real danger in these unauthorized SIM swaps? Because what can the bad guy actually do then once they have access to your phone? They could use that to reset passwords to accounts or to get into accounts they already have the password to, but just need a authorization code. Yeah. Uh, like banks. Big time. That a lot. Intercepting all your text messages, your phone yep. calls. And what's crazy is you, you'll look at your phone one day and it'll say your phone's no longer working. And that's exactly the kind of the first indicators to you that you have been breached. So this is some nasty stuff, folks. Uh, I have to tell you, when you read some of these text messages on Krebs on security, it really blows your mind. Uh, one of the, the screenshots that Brian Krebs had posted, did you see this one, Noah? One of the leaders of Lapsus, this guy named yeah. White. Yeah, this screenshot that uh, leader of Lapsus, he posted from a computer within the T-Mobile network, and it was a picture of an article about how Lapsus hacked Samsung. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they're looking at a screenshot from inside of an employee at T-Mobile. Uh, the Lapsus's work looking at Samsung data breaches from a virtual <laughs> machine at T-Mobile. Uh, pretty crazy stuff. The other one that caught my attention, too, is they had, you know, you know where can lapses go from there and what lapses tried to do is pivot from their customer environment of t-mobile into the department of defense and some other government agencies as far as we know and what's been released to the news media is they have not made it that far they did not get access to the department of defense but again folks this comes down to one major thing is would you trust a company like t-mobile with your important data if they keep having these breaches and i don't know about you guys at home but if you're playing along at home I wouldn't. I would, you know, they would lose my trust. They would lose my business after the first breach. But here it is. We are on their fifth, sixth, maybe seventh breach, depending on how you count it. And yeah. having one breach sometimes means that the company will dump a bunch of money into security and their security will go way up. And then, you know, maybe they're actually a better choice. Yeah. But with the case with T-Mobile, it looks like they just keep getting repeatedly and repeatedly breached. And that's definitely a sign that maybe they're not doing something right. Yeah, fool me once, shame on shame on me. Fool me twice, yep. shame on you, or something like that. Whatever that, that old saying goes, <laughs> right? I don't know how it goes. But here's another story we're going to talk about, too, is the Facebook phishing campaign. Very sophisticated, Noah. If you are a Facebook user, definitely listen up here. If you have friends or family on Facebook, or perhaps you have a business that's on Facebook, this is really relevant to you from a security awareness perspective. What are the threat actors doing? So it looks like the threat actors are sending out a phishing, phishing email 
with a link in the phishing email to an actual Facebook domain. Yeah, we'll put a, an example, uh, a screenshot on the on the TV here that you guys can see exactly what you're looking at here. This is a, an example of what it looks like, the phishing email. But what makes this so dangerous, Noah? What makes it dangerous is that it's an actual Facebook uh, link. So when you look at the link and click on it and everything, you're going to Facebook. Yeah. But it then, I guess, like redirects you or brings up a prompt that has you put in a password, and that is not Facebook. And that's how your credentials get stolen. So folks, rather than send you a, a link to a phishing website and then have you click on that link through your email, the attackers are actually redirecting you to a real post on Facebook or what you think is real, okay? That's what makes this so dangerous. So they're leveraging all that internal architecture inside the ecosystem of Facebook. And because the threat actors are using a valid Facebook URL in the email, or in the notification to you, it makes the landing page that much more convincing. And plus, don't they put a time limit on it? Like you have to respond within like 48 hours or something like that? I think so. And so that's another way to get you kind of motivated to do it quick without double thinking. So what they're leveraging though is the idea of you can be sent to Facebook jail. Now, for those of you that are at home that have never heard of Facebook jail, it's a very legendary place, all right? It's one of those places <laughs> you you never want to go to. But if you, uh, I mean, how do you get sent to Facebook jail? Have you ever been to Facebook jail, buddy? I haven't been to Facebook jail. <laughs> From what I understand though, you got to break the rules of Facebook and you get banned on Facebook and that's yeah. where you go to Facebook jail. And that's where this phishing email comes into play. <laughs> it's basically saying, hey, you violated the Facebook standards and uh, click on this link, fill in this information. And if you don't do it within 48 hours, your account can be terminated or shut down. But Noah, the part that really is bothersome about this type of phishing attack is how that it's going for businesses. And particularly the attackers are targeting uh, companies that have Facebook pages for their company. So if you are that person, or you know someone in your company that is running the Facebook website for your business, be aware that this phishing attack is in particularly targeting you. We got to talk about some other stories in the news too. This is another phishing awareness type of email. And this university, OHSU, Oregon Health and Science University, can you imagine sending a phishing email telling everybody, hey, you, you got 7500 bucks worth of financial assistance waiting for you, click on this link. Do you think you'd get upset about that? Yeah, what's especially frustrating about this is that they are not the first organization who during the pandemic has sent out an email saying, click on this link and we'll give you financial service. Uh, we'll, we'll help you out through this tough time. And then it's fake. Yeah, it's and and this has so really rippled through the community. If you were that person in your company that is the person that sends out fake phishing emails to test your employees, you know, creating security awareness, it it's it's a good thing to know you don't want to do something like this because yeah. it could come back to bite you and people are losing their jobs over sending stuff like this. So you be need very to have careful. An ethical mindset when yep. you're creating internal social engineering tests. I, and I go even deeper than that, Noah. I'd say it, not just the ethical mindset, but when you craft these fake phishing emails to test your employees, it's really about partnering with people in your company. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? Will it get us into legal hot trouble? I, I know yeah. in the past when I've designed phishing campaigns for employees, I've always partnered with other people in the company. Will this offend someone? Will this create undue hardship? Will this make us look bad if it gets out in the world? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you got to be real careful on that. Um, 
definitely damaging to the Oregon Health and Science University. Yeah, definitely driving a little bit of a wedge between employee and employer there. So let's talk about our top stories now. We do have a lot of top stories to go over. Again, it has been kind of a slow news week, but the one that caught our attention was this morning. Uh, This came out and it was about virus total and this remote code execution. Could you kind of explain to the audience what is virus total? And then let's try to explain what this, why is this so bad, this remote execution? Yeah. So virus total is an awesome website where you can submit a file or a link or an IP address and VirusTotal will compare that against uh, a bunch of different security vendors to say, yeah, this many security vendors think that that file is malware, or this many security vendors think that that website is suspicious, or that IP address has been used in malicious activities. It's also a platform where security researchers and security professionals can uh, leave their own comments on an IP address or a file. So this is a tool that we in the cybersecurity community use quite often. So yeah, have to have this tool compromise folks is very dangerous. And now can you kind of explain how this is why this is so bad, this remote code execution on Virus Total? Some researchers were able to submit code to Virus Total that then beaconed out back to them, uh, which is not good. No, <laughs> and, um, not at all. Yeah, so they had remote code execution against uh, some sandboxes that files are opened in in virus total and they were able to escalate that and they found admin accounts and they found different services things that you really don't want exposed so it's good that this has been fixed i think it was fixed in virus total earlier this year or late last year yeah. So, but we're just now finding out yeah. about it. Just now made the news. Yeah. But very dangerous to have our own cybersecurity tools mm-hmm. being compromised or potentially be compromised. So glad this got patched. Glad this got got fixed. All right, Noah. So another story that came out. We talked about this Waze camera stuff about I want to say a couple episodes back. And at the time, what we understood was the Waze cameras had these vulnerabilities. We didn't know the full depth of the story, and now it's really gotten picked up on social media. And and we'll we'll share one of those heartbreaking stories here in just a minute. But Waze cameras vulnerable to strangers. But that's not the bad part of the story, Noah, is it? No. So. Waze cameras is a little tiny cheap camera. I think they're like 30 bucks on Amazon and you just plug it in and it's good to go with an app and you can view this camera anywhere you want. So you go on vacation or you're at work and you want to see what your dog's doing. But Waze knew that anybody could see through your camera and they knew about this for a long time, like three years, I think. Wait, wait, wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, three years. Three years they knew about this and they didn't disclose it? Right. See, yeah. folks? See where we're going with that? That is so scummy. <laughs> it is, man. And that, that's and another thing. Would you trust this company after yeah. all this? I Yeah, I, I wouldn't. And then they said, they're not going to fix it. They're just going to stop supporting that camera. So if you want a camera that people can't see into your home with, you have to get their newest, uh, more expensive one. That, and, and folks, this is why you know we get back to these companies that continually violate your trust, the security of your friends, your family. Imagine if you had these as a baby monitor in your house. And this yeah. is the story that we were getting off social media where a bunch of people were finding that 
there were th- th- this one lady. I think the story was that she heard a man talking to her child, her three year old or five year old or something like that, yeah. and the child was getting upset and having behavioral problems and all kinds of crazy stuff because they couldn't figure out where the voice was coming from. Lo and behold, it was coming through the vulnerability in the Waze camera, uh, and then. You know, not them not disclosing it is the issue. They knew about it, did nothing about it, tried to kind of put put this under the rug, and oh, you nothing to see here, folks. I got to tell you, I mean, if I if I had a Waze camera in my house, I'd be throwing it right in the trash, and I might even be joining the class action lawsuit over this because it's going to be a big one. Yeah, and so I had a Waze camera, and they actually have like kind of an illusion of security, I guess you could say, because the app has two FA with an authenticator code. And every time you open the app, it tries to update the camera to the newest security firmware. Yeah. But if that security update isn't actually fixing anything, it's not fixing this three-year-old um, vulnerability. Like facepalm, facepalm. Oh man. Leave, leave a annoying. note in the comments. Have you ever used a Waze camera, or if a, if yeah. a company like this violated your trust and you were having problems at home with your child, and they were hearing voices, and you're hearing sounds in your house, and you can't figure out where it's coming from? How upset would you be? We'd love to hear from you on that piece. But this thing has just been blowing up the internet, and I got to tell you, folks, I I am just floored at the response by Waze. And I read one of the articles or one of the responses from Waze and they tried to push it off, Noah. Like it's the user's fault. Like the user didn't change their password. The user did not use two-factor authentication. When the reality is this is a company that has known about this and has not fixed it and chose to just discontinue the product. It's it's shameful. It really is. Okay, we got a couple other stories to go over here, and we're going to wrap this sucker up. And and the one that caught my attention was this report that came out, Noah, about small to medium-sized businesses accounting for nearly half of all ransomware victim organizations out there. And they were throwing out some pretty crazy stats, this vendor was. I, I, I was shocked that 44% of all ransomware victim organizations have less than 100 employees. That's unbelievable. 82% of all ransomware attacks hit organizations with less than a thousand employees and then 34 percent of organizations that have employees from about 21 to about 100 or so employees actually experience malware this is something that we do very well here at security metrics finding this kind of stuff helping small to medium-sized businesses stay above that security poverty line Uh, I, i would really encourage all of you out there if you don't have a plan reach out to us and hit us up and we'll gladly try to try to help you as best as we can. But the the bottom line that I'm reading in, in many of these reports regarding small to medium-sized businesses, Noah, is that employee negligence seems to be the number one issue where companies are just training their employees on security awareness one time a year, and they have this false assumption that that is going to be it. We don't need to worry about anything beyond that. But it has to it has to be a change in mindset throughout the entire business and not just one person. Yep, it's got to be something you're looking at all year and you're keeping up with. Big time. All right, we've got a couple top stories to go over as well. And one of the stories that caught my attention was Wawa. And I'm a huge Wawa fan, man. Oh, me too. Dude, I love love Wawa. I can't stress enough how much I love them. But they had a breach in 2019 and now they they got a penalty from MasterCard of about 10.7 million and they're saying to MasterCard this was too high you guys overcharged us unjust penalties we want our money back they're and really Noah I mean the heart of this issue is is MasterCard unjustly enriching themselves through data breach penalties 
Yeah, I don't know. This this is such an interesting story because um, it happens all the time where a company is breached and they have to pay a penalty. So is this going to be kind of like a precedent setting? Like, are they going to make a more defined scale of how much <laughs> you have to pay? It's, right. it's interesting. Disclosure on how much and how this fine was yeah, w- w- was was built is going to be huge in this case. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this plays out in the courts. Noah, what keeps you up at night? Um, the cars on the road around <laughs> me getting hacked and then yeah. driving into me on the freeway. What that- about what about <laughs> hacked tractor trailers? Would that even worse? That's even yeah. worse, right? Yeah, this is a story, folks. That's picking up on the news right now. Hacking hacking tractor trailer breaks. Uh, this this uh, national motor freight traffic association nmfta they have about 500 different freight carriers that they represent well they commissioned a study on the security of brakes and what they found was two vulnerabilities in trailer brake controllers are potentially related to the power lines on these brakes they could be disabled by hackers isn't that something noah wow yeah that is not good um if you think about like these 18 wheelers they especially need their brakes and they can't stop on a dime like a car can so yeah not a lot of details on how this vulnerability can be taken over and taken advantage of but i do want to make it make an awareness about it that at least people are talking about it industry associations are thinking about stuff like this and that is a huge change from what we saw a couple years ago where companies didn't really talk about this kind of stuff they didn't talk about industrial control systems and vehicle control systems and how quickly they can be manipulated so glad to see this in the news and uh, as we kind of wrap up the last part of the show, we're going to get into some some Russian conversations here. You know, the Russian situation, Noah, it, it's kind of gotten more into that Cold War. Not much going on out there, but there are some highlights that we do want to talk about. Yeah, not as much cyber news uh, with this uh, war as there was at the beginning, but still some interesting stuff. Yeah, we, we, we included some highlights here, and, and we'll put up a screenshot here of one of the Twitter things. And I thought this one here, I don't think people fully appreciate just how much invading Ukraine and how many people are actually hacking Russia. Multiple hacks a week. It's only increasing. And it really is, Noah, the first time ever where Russia is fair game and they're getting a huge amount of pen testing all for free, all complimentary. So it's pretty wild to see that kind of conversation going on. I will share another story that a bunch of Western spy agencies, they put out a warning, specifically Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the UK, US. They're all saying that if you work from home, it increases the risk of a Kremlin attack. And yeah. that's that's pretty eye-opening. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to believe that statistic. But the, the bottom line is there's a higher probability that you could be breached or attacked if you're working from home. Yeah, there's been a bunch of newsletters coming out earlier this year, advisories for people working in the government, that if you're working from home, you need to improve your home cybersecurity. And I did an excellent podcast with Jen Stone about that. So take a listen if that's something you're interested in. Yeah, if you want to learn more how to secure your home environment, there's definitely a great podcast from Noah and Jen Stone out there. You can find that on our site. I do also want to talk about the number of malware, the types of malware, the different malware, Noah. It's been mind-blowing how much... How many different varieties and flavors of malware? And we've talked a lot about some of those varieties, but I mean, there's at least what uh, seven, eight, nine, ten now different new varieties since the beginning yeah. of the year. A lot of these are being tested on the front lines here of the Ukraine cyber war. 
Russian cyber war. And a lot of these are wipers. Uh, we, you want to kind of give the audience an update on what a wiper is? We, we did talk yeah. about this as well previously. Yeah, so a wiper is kind of like a ransomware and then it makes your files inaccessible, except a wiper deletes them instead of encrypting them. So if you get a wiper on your computer, it deletes everything and kind of turns your computer useless. Yeah, bad stuff, folks. And it's hard to recover from these wiper malware. So it's something from an awareness perspective. If you want to know more about it, we'll include a link as well. But you really need to be up on the uh, in the knowledge loop on how these wiper malwares do operate. A couple other stories out there. I thought this was interesting how the Russian army is fishing the Ukrainians. Did you, did you happen to read this, this story? Yeah, they're sending some uh, smishing texts, SMS phishing. So it uh, looks like Russia is pretending to be the Ukrainian army and sending texts to, uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Transnistria. Yeah, Transnistria yeah. residents. So we'll put up a screenshot here. You can take a look at what this says here. Basically, the translation of the text says, Ukrainian security service strongly evacuating, strongly urging the evacuation of civilians to safer regions. So imagine this propaganda. Again, something we've never really seen in acts of war before, where you see this phishing, smishing type of attack. Uh, very, very prevalent. There's some other really interesting stories coming out of the cyber Russia, uh, cyber activities. One of the things is when soldiers are looting stuff, they're taking stuff that has tracking capabilities. Yeah. <laughs> so can you imagine that, Noah? You get your headphones stolen by a Russian soldier and you end up tracking it through the app and you find out that your headphones are in an army military base in Russia. Yeah. So pretty wild stuff. Again, we've never seen stuff like that before. Too I'll bad you can't remotely control them and like wait till they're listening to music and like turn it up all the way or something. <laughs> There's a lot of breaches, folks, in the news. And, you know, we did mention in previous briefings how Anonymous is out there. They're, they've got 1.22 terabytes of data and they're just releasing it in batches as they go through it. We don't have time to go through all the breaches, but Tender Tech was popped. The General Department of Troops and Civil Construction that got popped. I love that name, by the way. The General Department of Troops and Civil Construction. Um, Gaz Region, it's a... Another gas pipeline company got breached. Again, there's just tons of them out there. There was a, a good story, too, Noah, about the Russian military bases now being visible on Google Maps. Uh, so basically, Ukraine says there's uncensored satellite photos of the Kremlin's command posts and now being posted online. But pretty fascinating stuff, uh, all that stuff that's going on. And again, we'll keep you posted as it goes on. But that is our, our news for the week. I hope you had a fun time. No, I knew I did. I know I did. Yeah. I hope you did. Yeah. <laughs> from all of us here at Security Metrics, thanks for joining us here from the Threat Intelligence Center. Back to you guys at home. Have a good one.